All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Broadway and Clark, a baseball podcast focused on the St. Louis Cardinals, but really all things Major League Baseball. We, uh, I'm Mark, joined by my co-host Duncan, and we are getting ready for the start of spring training in just a couple of weeks, and not even that long. And we are going to talk a little bit today, Duncan, I think, about the kind of the state of the roster, uh, the offseason moves and how they have the Cardinals positioned to take another run at a uh, division, central division title and uh, whatever they can achieve in the playoffs. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I have a, a, a decent amount uh, going on. We just had the Grammys last night. I don't know if you watched any of that. It's kind of exciting. We got some Swifties in the family, so we had to watch the Grammys, get a little little chatter about that, so that was exciting. Um, How did Taylor do? Did she win some awards? Well, with us being Central Time and it being all the way in L.A., there was a uh, some stuff that we didn't get to see. We are, you know, getting older. We're early birds uh, going to bed. So we missed the end of it. So I didn't actually go back and look and see who won some of the stuff uh, later on. But uh, I know she won at least two. But uh, my our guy that we were looking for to win uh, a new artist or best new artist, uh, Noah Khan, ended up not winning, unfortunately. I was really hoping for him to get a little shine, but uh, pretty awesome for him to get nominated. So, uh, But, yeah, we had that going on uh, last night. Uh, we put on a little party, uh, just the family here, but just put on a little party for our daughter who likes Taylor Swift and um, nice. got all dressed up, made some food, and put some decorations up, that kind of a thing, made her own little red carpet. So she had a, a blast doing that. So that was fun. Nice. So what do you think about uh – where we stand as an organization, and when I say we, I don't work for the Cardinals, uh, although I'm taking phone calls if they want to get in touch with me. Uh, but how do you feel about what they've done, where the roster is now versus, say, how we ended the 2023 season? Yeah, I mean, compared to October 2023, I feel world's better. Um, gosh, this is embarrassing to to say, but at the towards the end of the year, you get that feeling where you're like, I don't even, I don't even really want to watch these games right now. This is just like, and now, granted, a lot of the the players that they were running out there, um, you knew weren't going to be on the squad come start of the 2024 season. So you got to bear that in mind and everything too. But um, you, you watch it a little bit for some of the guys, like when they called up Mason Wynn and you get excited to watch him play. But, you know, as baseball goes, you get three, four, five at bats, depending on the game. And uh, you only get the ball, only get defensive action when the ball's hit to you. So uh, sometimes when there's, less bright spots out there on the field. It makes it a little bit harder to watch. Um, so definitely feel like we are much better off right now uh, than we were then, of course. 
But honestly, I, I would I need to go back and actually look and count number of transactions and things like that, or have some kind of bar for what is considered like a meaningful transaction. But I feel like we've got to be one of the most active teams this offseason in terms of meaningful transactions. Um, I feel like there's some stuff that, you know, all teams are going to do minor things here and there. But as far as like guys that are actually going to be impact players on the roster, I feel like we've done the most um, as far as other teams and stuff go in terms of quantity. Um, which I guess you could argue good or bad for quantity versus quality, that whole argument and everything. But I feel pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I agree. Uh, I mean, the Dodgers probably did a similar number of transactions. They did do a lot. Yeah. Uh, The Braves were relatively active. Uh, Maybe not. Certainly, I don't think at the same level as us. But the fact is those two teams – were the class of the league, and uh, we were decidedly not that. So when we look at the numbers for us, it's in the 10 to 12 new players on the roster, I believe, maybe even a few more, you know, if you're looking at the total um, 20, uh, uh, 40 men. Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking at the roster that we kind of expect to um, to come north after spring training, you know, obviously barring injury and that kind of thing, on the, uh, you know, in terms of the offense, offense and non-pitching defense, the changes are not many, Right. Uh, I mean, Herrera is not really a change, but him being slotted in as the full-time backup um, with uh, uh, Andrew uh, Kisner leaving is a change, I think. uh, I feel like that's a perfect example of a change while not like an impact player that you're bringing in, like signing Wilson Contreras last year. That's a, a, a move or a change that provides clarity. Agree. Young, young prospect, um, you know, not unlike uh, the uh, uh, car. Well, what was his name? Carson. Uh, I can't think of his Carson name. Kelly. Kelly, not unlike the Carson Kelly situation. Sure. I mean, it was a little bit more there. You know, Yachty was still amazingly effective as he was You realized he had some more years, yeah. Yeah, as he was approaching 40, so. But, he, but Kelly was definitely the heir apparent. And managing the, you know, kind of introduction of him, I kind of feel like we're in a little bit better spot with Herrera because Wilson, you know, I think he would be happy to DH at least once a week. Um, And, you know, he's got some injury risk, which, you know, many catchers do. It's hard for a catcher to catch more than 120 games so if you're looking at another 40 that have to be you know figured out yeah 
I think Herrera's absolutely up for that. He can also be a late-inning defensive replacement, which he would have never done for Yachty. So he'll get a few innings that way, you know, maybe get a few ABs that he wouldn't have otherwise gotten. Right. You know, yeah, I was going to so, say, that's the modern game. I mean, you're never going to have a catcher like Yachty that I – I say never, but unlikely to have a catcher like Yachty that's going to catch that many games out of a season. So, I mean, you look at the Blue Jays even a couple of years ago and before they traded Gabby Moreno over to the, the D-backs, they had three catchers that are, were playing on the, the big squad. So Right, right, right. Well, and that's the thing. If you have a third on your 25-man – uh, typically that guy's going to be, you know, maybe he can play one of the corner outfields, maybe he can play one of the, you know, first base or maybe even third sometimes. And uh, with the, you know, with the universal DH now, uh, if you have, you know, one of the, like I think Contrera might even be maybe the best example of this or one of them, you know, uh, a catcher who's, you know, can play the position and in his case has for a number of years now, but his, his greater value, I would argue to the club is the fact that he's a plus offensive player. And so, you know, I could absolutely see, you know, more than a few games with, uh, Contreras in the DH and, uh, Herrera catching, especially depending on, um, injury, you know, I mean, obviously if you can get 160 out of Goldie, you're going to take it, but it's kind of unrealistic for a 37 year old, um, are going to be 37 years old. When's his birthday in September? So he'll be 36 all year long. He's not so old. Um, but you know, him and then same thing with Nato, you know, Nato, if he's out, then you got to slide somebody over to third. Who's that going to be? What does that do for the other infield positions? And uh, you can see guys moving around where, yeah. you know, so both your catchers could play. It's just a much different setup than it was with Yachty, who was going to slot in for, you know, 140 to 150 games really almost every year. Um, one of the reasons he's, you know, he's so high up on the most games caught for career stats. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that and it's kind of a, a double-edged sword with that. It's like it brings uh, consistency when you have a catcher like Yachty who can do that and who consistently does that. Um, and, and stability it kind of brings that stability to your lineup and, and your defense. But at the same time, it reduces that flexibility. And and if you want to get a guy in there with the bat with different matchups or a hot bat or something like that, I mean, no matter how ice cold Yachty's bat was, you're going to play him because he's Yachty Molina. Right. Uh, Versus if you had Kisner on there who had a three home run week, it's going to be really hard, maybe because Yachty was injured. As soon as Yachty gets back, it's going to be hard to find some ABs for Kiz. Uh, in oh, that kind absolutely. of situation. So it's absolutely. it's a double-edged sword uh, with that kind of a thing for sure. Yeah, and then when we look at the infield, the big change obviously is going to be Mason Wynn, you know, the presumed uh, starting sh- uh, opening day shortstop. 
and him to get the bulk of the innings and at-bats at that position, uh, assuming he, you know, has a rookie campaign that's, you know, serviceable and, you know, in our wildest dreams, you know, rookie of the year level, uh, contending level, that would be that would be every Cardinal fan's dream. Uh, but definitely the fact that he's starting the season as the presumptive, uh, you know, number one and, you know, just slotted in for whatever makes sense. Probably want to manage his time a little bit, but, uh, you know, nevertheless expecting him to, to be our everyday Nado and Goldie, of course, don't change. Hopefully, they're both feeling great. Uh, I heard, I saw Lars Newt Bar made a comment about a healthy Ar, uh, Nolan Arnado, and he says, uh, you know, a, a healthy Arnado is a scary Arnado, I think is what the quote was, or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, I love that. I agree with you. Uh, Mr. Newt Bar, so that was cool. <laughs> um, like that. But yeah, and then of course, second base has been a bit of a rotation position for the Cardinals the last few years, and I don't know that that changes a lot. I guess your opening day starter is probably Brendan Donovan. Uh, there are, like I said, there are other options. Nolan Gorman can still play the position. And, of course, Tommy Edmond. But that leads us to the outfielders. And there's been a little clarity with a little bit of movement. Right now, we've only got five on the uh, 40-man roster. And then if you want to throw in uh, one of our other uh, offensive newbies, um, who's not a newbie but a, but a returnee uh, in Matt Carpenter, uh, you know, I guess you could say we have six guys on the roster. Presumptive starters are, I assume, Lars Newtbar. We already talked about Tommy probably being the center fielder, and then Jordan Walker, Jordan in right, Lars in left. Um, but again, very fluid. Uh, could Carp? play some innings in right field if necessary probably he's always been a half decent uh defender and then you've got dylan carlson does he make the team as the fourth outfielder do the cardinals move him? we don't know that yet and then alec burleson who was on the roster most of last year um and then finally, we've got Siani, uh, Michael Siani. Did we get him in one of the deals? I'd have to go back and look I and see. How we got it could have been a while ago. Let me look. Yeah, I'm looking as well. Uh, he's only had 29 at-bats in the major leagues. Oh, he was waivers uh, in September from the Reds. Yeah. Yeah, he was drafted in 2018 in the fourth uh, fourth round. His overall pick 109, so potential, uh, obviously. And uh, yeah, you know. we'll see what he has in spring. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, 
So, yeah, I don't know if he's got enough to make the squad. We'll, like you said, we'll find out. But not a ton of competition and not a ton of options out there. I mean, I think the real questions are, does Carpenter have anything left in the tank? And what is Dylan Carlson, you know, where is he going to fit in, if anywhere? Walker. Which I think is perfect, though, because I think as a team, you want to say, all right, we'll get these guys. You come in and prove it. Yeah. And if you prove it, then you get your time. But you're not relying on those guys to show up. No. Like last year, Carlson and Tyler O'Neill. I think for the most part, I think, you know, we hope that Carlson would be the everyday day center fielder with uh, O'Neill and left and Walker in uh, right. And then Lars was still a little bit of an unknown. He kind of had a little bit of a breakout with Japan in the World Baseball Classic. And then he wound up being you know, probably our third best offensive, well, our fourth best offensive player behind our three big boys. And, you know, that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, Donovan had a good season. You know, relatively, we both know that the problems in 23 for St. Louis were not based on our lineup or our hitting uh, with a plus uh, staff, we would have been in the playoffs, and who knows, you know. So yeah, so that's you know Good not enough. a whole lot changing there. We already talked about Contreras being our everyday catcher, so that's really you know uh, a mild off season in terms of especially with you know Walker and Win. Uh, Edmonds' development, Newt Barr's development, and Donovan's development over the last few years, those have kind of been the exciting young players. I mean, this season's all about Mason Wynn as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, we, I mean, because what we're hoping to find out is do we have a guy guy or do we just have you know, one of our prospects that we're, we're seeing how they fare at the major league level and maybe it's a C, you know, a C or a C plus. Uh, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's hard for rookies to come in and make an impact. Um, and, you know. Yeah, I feel like that's the question on the offensive side of the ball for right. sure. And so that so that pretty much is the offense. Like I said, less – Less excitement, uh, more, you know, we're hoping for more of the same. Obviously, which of the guys are going to really have the standout seasons? I mean, you can pretty much pencil in what to expect from Goldschmidt. I think Arenado's got a, you know, there's a little more variance with him. Uh, However, we still expect by the end of the season him to have, you know, the kind of numbers that he's put up his whole career. I mean, he's got a long track record, so I don't see any reason he wouldn't. He's still plenty young and, you know, uh, his defense isn't going to, isn't going to get any worse. I mean, as he gets older, it'll slow down a little bit and, you know, his range might suffer, His range, but he's not at that point yet. He should, he should be great. He's still good. But that brings us to uh, that brings us to an inter- interesting thing, though. You went through all the offense there and everything. Obviously, there's been a huge overhaul on 
the pitching side of the the ball. Um, a lot of changes, three big ones in the rotation, three pitchers, like Mo said he was going to get. But most recently, uh, an addition in the bullpen. You want to talk a little bit about that for, for a bit and see what do you think about that, uh, that addition Absolute, that we find? Absolutely. Just to, just to do a quick recap, here are some newcomers to the bullpen. So we know the three pitchers, Kyle Gibson, uh, Sonny Gray, and um, Lance Lynn, another not newbie, but new back to us, started his career in St. Louis, uh, has had a, you know, a very serviceable uh, career as a starter. Some people, you know, he's still young, um, relatively. Yeah. And he's been in a lot of places for his career. He's moved around a lot, but yeah, still right. young. Uh, he won't be, um, he won't be well. He'll be thirty-seven, in, or I'm sorry, thirty-four in May. Uh, so I don't consider that to be old at all. Um, <laughs> and uh, and for a pitcher, it's not. Depending on you know, I mean, he hasn't had like a tremendous issue with his velo. I think one of the things that had t- uh, teams and you know, folks, maybe fans in general, a little sour on Lance was for whatever reason, he was serving up the long ball on the regular. So that is something he's going to have to uh, avoid so that he doesn't get into the kind of situation he was in. And wasn't that game two, I guess, of the. The four straight, four straight against the D-backs. Four straight bombs. Yeah, that was. Don't want to see that That was unfortunate. So, yeah, so the three new starters, uh, and just to, just to kind of follow the trend we've been talking about, the presumptive other two are Mickless, he's definite. And then based on last year, you know, it's probably Matt's for now, but that's very much a placeholder depending on his performance and his health, which has been unfortunately not good at all for the Cardinals. Um, and then we've got, uh, you know, a number of holdovers to the staff, you know, uh, the Thompsons, Drew Rahm is a young guy we got in one of the deals, uh, it might've been the Flaherty deal. No, I think it might've been Monty. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We got Drew Rahm, who we don't know yet, you know, what to expect from him. Uh, is he the kind of guy that we're going to want to, you know, get 10 starts next year? Are those going to come, you know, in May? Are they going to come in, you know, September, you know, four or five in September? You know, who knows? Uh, and then Matthew Libator, who is homegrown guy, who we thought was going to be our next ace, or we hoped, and it hasn't so far worked out at the major league level, but he is entering his, uh, you know, 25 year old season. He'll be 24 really all season. It's his 24 year old season. He will be 25 till November. Uh, you know, he's another potential, right? And those are all guys that have been here. Now let's talk about the newcomers to the bullpen that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, We got Ryan Fernandez. He's new, I believe. 
We've got um, Andrew Kitteridge, who was an all-star, I believe, two, three years ago. Is uh, is Kloffenstein new this year, or was he? Do we have him last year? You remember? Sorry, I muted myself for a second. Yeah, he's new this year. He was uh, either in the De Jong deal or the Hicks deal to or Super whatever to the gotcha. Blue Jays. He was gotcha. in the Blue Jay deals. Uh, and then we've got. Uh, Riley O'Brien, I think we got him from the Mariners, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then we've got uh, Robercy. He was, I believe, in one of the deals, maybe the Monty deal. He was in another one of the Blue Jay ones. Oh, was he? And then yep. we got, uh, from the Red Sox, we got Nick Robertson, and another pitcher who's who's a minor leaguer. Um, and then just last week, we picked up uh, Kenyon Middleton, who Kenan. might be the most interesting of them all. I mean, all of them bring something, right? And all of them seem interesting. Uh, and we've got a lot of a lot of. Uh, competition that's going to come because there are about 12 guys or 15 guys, whatever it is for the, uh, you know, presumably eight bullpen spots. Uh, obviously we've got Helsley, we got Gallegos, uh, Palente. I don't know if John King factors in this year. And I think that's everybody worth mentioning on the staff. Anybody? Zach any? Thompson, maybe. He oh, might yeah. get more and starts Zach than I'm depend, but. Yep. And oh, and then JoJo. Forgot about JoJo. And JoJo, thank you. So we got a nice, we got a nice uh, uh, group. But talk yeah, about good what, selection. Are your, what are your thoughts on the Middleton acquisition? What did we give up for him? Yeah, I love this. I think it was a one-year, $6 million deal, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, honestly, maybe a little bit more expensive, but, I mean, relievers, it's like 2 to $5 million, somewhere in there. So it's like, all right, you spent a million dollars more than maybe you wanted to, whatever. I, I think that's negligible in the grand scheme of things, um, especially towards the end of the offseason like this. I think it's a great pickup, if you ask me. Um He's been been around the block a little bit with a few different teams. Um, started his career with the Angels for f- four years or so. Went up to Seattle um, to the D-backs, and then most recently with the White Sox, um, and the, split the split the season. Excuse me, split time with the White Sox and the Yankees. Obviously, the White Sox had an awful uh, season last year. And he was one of the few people from the Sox to actually get traded at the deadline. Goes to the Yankees, uh, 12 games to the tune of a 188 ERA out of the pen. Um, definitely a strikeout guy. Uh, over the course of his career, he's averaging 9.2 Ks per nine, so a strikeout per inning. That's over his whole career. He's had some some not so great seasons. So if I mean, if you take those things out, this most uh, two most recent, uh, or I guess last year was his highest, at 
11.4 Ks per nine, even with the White Sox and them being so bad. Um, so definitely a higher leverage guy uh, with some strikeout stuff. Um, I think uh, it's hard to take a lot of those White Sox numbers and you think about some of those games that he probably came into without going through each of the game logs. I bet some of those games he came into with at least two plus runners on base or something like that. And I mean, you're bound to run into some bad outings when you are coming into games like that. That now part of that's the job, but the amount of times that you come into games like that, probably not going to be so high with us. At least I hope so uh, this year. And I think he'll, he'll fare much better like he did with the Yankees in the second half of the season. Um, but also with the White Sox and their horrible season, and I think similarly about this with Lance Lynn, uh, obviously, both of the, both of those guys were with the White Sox last year on the same team. Um, I very much am sure that um, Mo did not forget to talk to Lance Lynn about what he thought about Keenan Middleton or uh, what kind of guy he was or what their dynamic was on the staff together because of how bad, especially how bad the uh, White Sox team was. And, you know, you don't want to make sure that both of those guys did not contribute to that bad culture or something like that. And I certainly think uh, that Lance was not one of those guys. I certainly am thinking as well that Keenan Middleton was not one of those guys contributing uh, to that culture uh, that was so bad for the White Sox, Uh, particularly for Keenan Middleton because of some of the comments that he made after the trade deadline. I know there were some interviews that he'd done. There were some print pieces that were out after the trade deadline. He went to the Yankees and talking about a lot of the stuff that happened on the White Sox and talking about basically calling it out and saying it's hard to create a culture and, and you know be a good team when you have rookies that are asleep in the bullpen and people aren't showing up on time to PFPs and um, stuff like that. And it just sounded like an absolute train wreck over there, similar to the Red Sox at the beginning of the it was at the beginning of the 2010s with the whole chicken and beer and the uh, clubhouse thing, the whole thing with Francona right before he left. Um, and it just kind of seemed like a culture disaster. Um, but the fact that he was calling that out certainly tells me that he's one of those guys that was not down with it, didn't like it. And I think he's going to be thriving in the bullpen and being good for these younger players too who haven't been around quite as much and it's not like he's an old guy either he's 29 and he's been in the big since 2017 so it's not like he's 34 36 something like that that's you know been in the league 10 plus years or something like that I mean he's still in what would be considered the prime part of his career Um, so I think that speaks volumes to his character and everything too and I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, out of the bullpen for us. So sorry, I kind of rambled there for a little bit, but I wanted to make sure uh, I mentioned some of those things because I I really like this a lot. Yeah, I think the there there still seems to be a lot of potential. Um, you know, for a guy who's thirty, he does not have many miles on him at all. Yeah. Uh, last season, he faced two hundred and twelve batters. And in 51 appearances. So he's, you know, he's, he's a setup guy. Uh, You know, I could see him, you know, slotting into that seventh inning. So do you go, uh, do you go Middleton, Gallegos and Helsley? Is that your preferred seven, eight, nine? 
Uh, is Middleton better than that? I don't know. You know, $6 million is a decent I'd, salary. Uh, I'd almost say he fights it out with Gallegos and say, Gallegos, come back and show us that you can be the Gallegos of before and not the guy that we saw last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Giovanni is, he's, I don't want to say hit or miss. He can be very dominant for stretches. But then he has gone through, I feel like, a few stretches in his career where he just wasn't effective. And I don't know what that is. Uh, you know, obviously, we all love the relievers that come in and get everybody out all the time, but those are the best relievers in the game. And you either go pay, you know, $20 million a year for them, like the Astros did with Hader, or you know, you develop a guy like that and you never let him go. I mean, you know, some Cardinal fans were critical of, uh, you know, getting rid of Jordan Hicks, but with his injury history and ultimately, you know, some ineffectiveness and really more than anything, the development of Helsley, you know, he was, he was a little bit surplus in the sense that, yeah, you know, that that potential that existed when we really thought we had, you know, nailed down our closer the next half decade or so uh, just never really came to pass, uh, not unlike the Jack Flaherty situation. So I would say that uh, the thing I probably want to give Mo the most credit for is is let's bring in these proven major league arms. None of them are earth shattering or, you know, where they're going to, it's going to lead ESPN news, but you know, on the, on the MLB network, they're talking about them because it is a revamp of the bullpen. We'll have to see how the pitching coach does this year. It's hard to know when the snowball started last year, you know, what we certainly didn't do anything in terms of moves, right? But what more was there to be done, if anything, around, you know, just moving some guys into different roles or you know, really trying to figure it out. I mean, I think they did a few things throughout the course of the season. But again, you know, kind of new territory for us as Cardinal fans. But a lot of teams go through this, and I kind of feel like if, you know, by 4th of July, you really, you know, you know you really have no chance uh, if you're a quote-unquote seller, which nowadays it feels like it's August before those clear lines are defined for most teams. I mean, there's only, you know, there's only so many teams that are, are bottom of the barrel. There's only so many Oakland A's. There's only so many Rockies or whatever. And even even both of those teams in recent years have been there, you know, well into August and you know, depending on how August breaks, maybe they feel like they got a September run in them, which has been yeah, our got, MO, right? That's been our MO yeah. for years. So you you got the expanded playoffs, plus they push the 
trade deadline back, which creates more competitiveness amongst the league, uh, which is ultimately a good thing. Um, Agree. So, so yeah, that, that makes it very interesting with what to do at the trade deadline and how long you can wait it out kind of a thing. Right, and my point for mentioning all that is that in terms of how that impacted the pitching staff, first of all, we traded two of our starters, and then we had additional injuries. So, you know, a guy like Zach Thompson, who got a number of starts, did we help his development? Did we hurt his development? I don't know. I know that he'll probably have a more defined role this year, which will, you know, may not mean a lot of innings. But does he get a chance to early, you know, some point early in the year when inevitably one of the pitchers is out for a week or two? uh, Does he get a chance for a couple spot starts and see what he can do? Not, you know, without the pressure of, Oh, we got nobody else, so tonight we're going to throw you out there against the other team's ace. Right? Right, right. Duncan's got a little uh, home fire. He's got a 10-2 for a minute. And we are going to kind of wrap that one here. Uh, We've got a lot of excitement that's going to start in under two weeks. We've got new faces. Uh, We've got some in some impressive new roles. One thing we didn't discuss, and because – Everybody knows this, and it's probably not doesn't do a lot of doesn't do any of us all that much good to talk about it until there's any news. But there is the potential for the Cardinals to make another move, and the one that everybody has kind of been circling that they would we'd love to see come to fruition is a re-signing, uh, a re uh, reuniting with Jordan Montgomery. Now he's a, I believe he's a Boris client. Uh, he's waited this long, so obviously there was a strategy for him and uh, his team to, you know, to. I don't know if it's about the numbers. He's got a number in mind. I don't know if he's just more comfortable, kind of feeling out the offers and waiting a little bit longer. But spring training is starting in a couple weeks, and like most ball players, he's probably got some desire to uh, figure out his situation and know what he's going to do. <clears throat> Pardon me. So for the rest of the year, or the rest of the spring train, you know, the the off season before spring training starts in the next twelve days or so, he. Uh, you know, I assume the talks will potentially heat up and we should hear some news. I think it's just reasonable to say the Cardinals 
um, if nothing else, have checked in and know where they stand, even if we don't know what that is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jordan Montgomery. But for now, we've got a new team with, as we mentioned during the pod here tonight, another 10 or 12 new faces. And we're, uh, you know, we're feeling great about the prospects of the 2024 Cardinals. So with that said, we want to thank you all again for uh, your listening. We hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. We plan to have another one uh, probably later this week. If not, it'll be this weekend. And we, uh, you know, again, we invite any comments or uh, questions you might have about what we're trying to do here at Broadway and Clark, we did have uh, one of our international uh, listeners reach out and make a couple comments, and we certainly appreciated that. So, uh, you know, without divulging too much information, just want to shout out Michael from Alberta and thank him for his, uh, his communication he sent us. Uh, I believe it came through X, a DM through X, if I'm not mistaken. So there's a a few ways to get in touch with us, but it was great to hear from him. And uh, it's great to hear from any of you whenever we do. So please don't hesitate. Uh, Continue to uh, watch for a notification of our next episode. And, uh, you know, try to contain your excitement as we are about the uh, start of another year of spring training, which means warm weather's just around the corner. And before long, uh, we're going to be into baseball every day, which is one of the things that makes it such a great sport. So for Duncan, this is Mark uh, signing off for this night, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.